I've also been having a lot of fun with the work that I'm doing, not having to worry about, hey, what project am I going to work on after this one is done? This freelance goal that a society seems to have is not maybe the goal for everyone. Welcome to Sorted, a podcast for creatives by creatives. I'm Emma. And I'm Alex. So get your coffee ready and let's get sorted. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Sorted. We have an awesome guest here with us today, and we are so excited to bring him on. We are so excited to have Chris Hartley on our podcast today. We met Chris at Creative South. Well, Alex has known Chris for a long time. I'll let her get into that. But we, I met Chris at Creative South when... Alex and I came up with the idea for Sorted, and so he has been along for the ride since the beginning. So we're so excited to have him on the podcast today to talk about all things agency versus freelance and just his experience because he has just a really interesting background and how he's gotten to where he is today. But Chris is a Indianapolis-based UX designer, photographer, husband, and dog dad to a mini golden doodle named Peter. So we are so excited to have him on the, the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me really excited to be here. Let's just start with the basics. Tell the people who you are. And then if you want to dive into your current work, what your role is and what you've been up to nowadays. Yeah. So I am a primarily work as a senior UX designer. So I am a curious person by nature, which has led me down a lot of fun and unique adventures. Right now, I am a senior UX designer at a company called SEP, uh, which is an agency and consultancy for companies who want to build software. Outside of work, I'm really passionate about our design community here locally. And yeah. Yeah. So Chris and I actually met a while back. It's been a few years. I remember when I worked at my marketing agency job, I knew him then just from you know, other people in the creative fields around the city, but we also graduated from the same college too, which is where his name kind of first got brought up. He was one of the designers who ended up being very successful in the things that he did after graduation. And so the professors always called him out, showed us his previous work to the students. So that was when I was first kind of introduced to him without even being introduced to him in person. I was just introduced to the name. And then when I actually got into real world after college is when I made that connection with him and we've just been friends ever since and like Emma said we went to we had the same flight going to Creative (laughs) South and so then I introduced Chris to Emma and Chris has been there since day one when Sorted got started he was one of the first people we told about it so we are just so excited to finally have him on for season two so thanks for introducing a little bit about kind of who you are and the fact that you're a creative person and you're just very curious and that has led you down a lot of different paths which is so exciting and so fun and I'm excited to get into those details. So let's start with first, how did you get started into design in college prior to that when you were a young boy? Like when did all of that stuff start to become more interesting to you? I will say that I was first introduced to design. I was taking a variety of different classes in high school that lots of them were arts adjacent. And I took a desktop publishing class that used Microsoft Publisher. And my teacher at the time, I think this was like my junior year, she recommended that I, you know, look into more computer arts type classes. And that turned into, hey, now I'm moving two hours from home coming to the University of Indianapolis in their visual communication design program. And from there, it's been kind of a migration within the design field. I love it. So with the topic, overarching topic of this podcast and this specific episode and why we thought that you'd be such an interesting guest is your path has kind of gone from agency to freelance to agency. And so I think that you know, for a lot of freelancers and especially or people aspiring freelancers like Alex herself, she started an agency and then went freelance myself. I have a strange path, but I was I've always been kind of freelance or as we'll get into and I've been an independent graphic designer. And so I would love to hear just kind of if you could just talk about a little bit kind of the timeline of how long year wise, you know, from graduation date, how long were you at an agency? How long, you know, kind of what your timeline looks like just so people can kind of get a you know an overview of that yeah so i right out of school i joined 
kind of an in-house team in the beer industry for about two years. After about two years at that in-house job, I joined a small agency that was focused in the accounting industry. So they were primarily focusing on growth, marketing, and consulting. They had had a designer there previously. And when I joined the team, I was in that role for probably just over two years where I was their senior designer. I was very client facing, led them through kind of a transition as the client requests came in to be more marketing focused. And that includes branding, websites, that kind of stuff. It was branding and websites primarily for accountants. Right. So these are regional and national accounting firms. There's thousands of them in the U.S. Our primary demographic was probably like the top two to 300 accounting firms. Oh, wow. That really just meant that they, as an organization, understood the value of, of marketing. They maybe had a marketer on staff. We could really be their extended team. That's so interesting. It shows you really how your niche, like how really niche you can get. Yeah. And how they're still, mar- yeah, it's, that's fascinating. And I'm sure like, because you had this expertise, especially because accounting's so precise, like you had a very precise, like kind of, it would be, it's probably, it's just a very interesting niche. I've never heard of like such a, such a specific, you know, agency. Yeah. And from there, I was in that position for about two years. And then the owner of the company was a former practitioner in the accounting space. He wanted to return to that. So my coworker and I purchased the firm from him. And for three and a half years, I ran design and some of the business operations you would call a creative director role, but also still having, still doing the work also because we were a team of three people at the time. And so your colleague that you bought the firm with, were they also a designer as well, or did they have other expertise? So they came from the tax incentives world. That is where they went back to at the time. And so after you bought the agency, how long did you own the agency before you decided to go independent? So I was there for about three and a half years as an owner. And as you can imagine, a small team of two or three people trying to do all the things well, it stretches you pretty thin. (laughs) Just a bit. There was a time where I realized that I was stretched far too thin for like my mental health to really be in a good place. Working long hours, running through that burnout cycle, yeah, mm-hmm. not being able to really refill my energy and... You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I started to explore kind of what is it that would really fill my cup. You know, I, I still enjoyed design and there was this, I think I was at a an event in the tech industry here, or I can't remember what it was at the time, but I started to learn more and more about UX design. So uh, design for software and applications and whatnot, and got to a point where I was like, this is really exciting to me. And I know that if I don't put myself out there into an uncomfortable space, I'm just going to stay here. So I put a hard date of Halloween 2019 as the day that I was going to (laughs) exit that company and come an independent UX designer, which was going well. I had gotten to know quite a few people in our uh, design community here and, and got reconnected with many of them as an extension of their team while I was trying to find a full-time job. So that, that was actually going pretty well. Like I was working on some cool projects with a lot of teams that I had admired for a long time. And then comes, you know, March 2020. Yeah. Everything, sh- everything shuts down, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, all of my freelance pipeline dries up. And so I, like many of us, I was stuck at home and was looking to still find my community and ended up volunteering with Indie Design Week. And through there, got connected with the director of UX here at SEP. And June 2020, I joined their team remotely and two and a half almost three years later, here I am. That's amazing. That's that's yeah. quite the journey. And I think that that can be relatable to a lot of people, especially going from the jump 
of ownership of an agency to going independent. There's a little similarity there where I was with my agency job that I know I've talked about before and I was just not at a good place mentally and you have to really measure, hey, is my mental health more important than my job right now? And the answer is always yes. If you're questioning it, it's, Absolutely. it's always yes. Yeah. And, and to just find the courage to take that leap because even though you are at another agency right now, you're at SAP, you had the opportunity to be independent for quite some time. And unfortunately, due to COVID, that didn't work out long term. And who knows if you wanted it to, or if you just wanted it temporarily, you know? Yeah. So, so I knew that long term through a series of discoveries kind of within myself and different reflections that I wanted to work with the team. I mm-hmm. wanted to work with not only designers, but people throughout the product life cycle. I knew I wanted to work closely with the client stakeholders. And it just so happens that SCP was a great fit. And it's it's been yeah. a great time here so far. I think it's really interesting how you said that being independent isn't necessarily you knew you wanted to work on a team because I feel like kind of the rhetoric online compare, you know, all the a lot of freelancers and a lot of independent designers, that's kind of like the goal, I feel like for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And especially I live in, you know, I'm always so jealous of you guys as Indianapolis community. I feel like it's the perfect <laughs> size city where you guys actually like all know each other and you get to like do stuff together and you have like these cool events. Whereas in New York, there's just too many of us that either you're in it or you're not, or you're in like subsex mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. But I just think it's really interesting because I, I, you know, a lot of people in New York, I have friends that are, you know, aspire to be, you know, entrepreneurs or freelancers or independent or whatever, you know, their field is. And people always, you know, ask me about it and ask me, like, I'm, I'm one of few people in my circle that is completely independent. And I think it's, like, very interesting because I don't think it's for everyone. And mm-hmm. it's a, an incredibly lonely <laughs> journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex and I are so, so, so lucky to have each other. And, like, we're very lucky because we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and sometimes mm-hmm. treat each other like we are teams and, like... Be like, oh, mm-hmm. just charge hourly and I'll pay you and <laughs> help me with this yes. project. And yes, it's so lucky because we have each other. But I think that is just really interesting because I do feel like kind of in the the kind of career boom we're in right now where people seem to find like their most, they think that their purpose or their only, mm-hmm. you know. Or like the top goal is to be by yes. yourself. You're, to own you're your defined own by your and, career. Yeah. And that being an entrepreneur or being a solopreneur yeah. is like the end goal. And I just think it's so interesting because I think that I like just kind of what you said and it made me take a step back that honestly, maybe I would be happier like on a team. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just interesting mm-hmm. to think about that, you know, the, this freelance goal that a society seems to have is not maybe the goal for yeah. everyone. So just, yeah, I liked that point of it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what SCP is, I know, Chris, you have a lot of NDAs and a lot of yeah. stuff that you can't really <laughs> tell the people about, but just maybe like a few sentences. What exactly is SCP and what exactly do you do on a day-to-day basis? SCP is kind of that agency type structure with a deep focus on relationships. So we have companies that come to us that say, hey, we need help on this product doing research or design or building the application. And I unfortunately can't say who we work with or what I'm working on, but I can say that Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of household names that you would know, not only here in Indianapolis, but pretty much anywhere in the US. Okay, wink if I say the name. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I think something that uh, comes to mind when, you know, as someone that hasn't worked in agencies or, you know, kind of in-house structure. So I'd love to kind of hear a breakdown, Chris, of, you know, from the beginning. So let's say in your first agency, a client comes to you, you know, when you own the agency and they are looking for, you know, let's just say a project to be finished. What does the timeline look like for that project versus when you were independent versus at your current company. So like, obviously your current company is a lot bigger, so there'll be a lot more hands-on and a lot more eyes looking at the project and a lot more Mm -hmm. probably stakeholders, you know, having input. So I just love to hear kind of like a comparison of those three, you know, different points in your career. And if there's one that you prefer over the other two. Yeah. 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 Curiosity. So there is, at the agency I owned, it was, um, let's talk about a website project. I think that will translate best into 
the other types All three. of yeah yep yeah website projects were probably like three months long three to four months with some like basic research up front doing design and then like getting the design approved and then getting it built so all within about four months usually. With the work that I did as an independent designer, I was mostly augmenting teams in the middle of a project. So it was more of a, we need 30 hours of your week this week. What can you help us with? And then at SCP, most of our projects are 12 to 18 months. Wow. I will say wow. I, I, wow. I joined a team um, in June that had been working on different stages of the product for two years. And I joined and now we're now working on the next iteration of it. So this is this is maybe a different example because this is a consumer app mm -hmm. that you know is, is going to have, have multiple iterations, multiple updates, that kind of thing. I wow. think that I will be on the project for another 12 months probably. Do you ever get sick of a project? No. <laughs> With that long of timelines? Um, like. I, I have not yet. I will say that the projects that we work on, generally there is a lot of variation in them because like our teams are structured in a way where like the team that I'm on now has 12 people, I think. And there's mm -hmm. two designers, two tech lead, team lead kind of roles and the rest are engineers. So there's, there's always a, something new to work on, whether that's are we working through a new product that we're going to integrate in the app? Does that need research? Mm -hmm. Do we need to do some usability testing? Just depends what stage of the project we're at. So when you were an independent designer freelance, do you feel like your processes were down pat, set in stone? Or do you feel like you were kind of just, oh, I'll figure this out as I go? Um, I mean, in comparison, because in your first agency and then when you own that company and then your current company now those processes are probably like more strict right because i mean agencies have been in in the works for years and you have a lot of people touching these projects so those might look a little bit different than when you're independent so there are definitely some projects that are in regulated environments that definitely require a much more stringent process i will say mm -hmm. uh, one thing that i love about working at scp is they give us a lot of autonomy to help adjust processes to how we think this is going to be most beneficial to our client. I'm like sitting here like my wheels are turning. <laughs> I know, it's so interesting, especially yeah. because you can't say exactly what you're working on. So yeah. I'm like, like hmm, thinking in my product? brain, okay, what could they be? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it so much. I think, again, I love that you have kind of three different outlooks on everything. So I think that there's just a lot of good stuff to unpack here. So. Let's talk a little bit about stress levels. I know that we briefly touched on this when you were at owning your agency versus kind of why you wanted to leave. But what do those stress levels look like with all the all three of the different lenses? They were very different stress levels. I think not just influenced by the type of role they were, but also the environmental impact or the the environmental mm. influence, I guess. Uh. So like as one of the owners of the agency, like there was a certain amount of stress, also me in my mid-20s trying to figure out my life. And um, I thought like mm -hmm. the hustle culture was the way that I was going to make it in the world. And that was definitely, mm -hmm. in the end, not a smart decision on my part. Just a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's really when that stress skyrocketed because I was doing that, but I was also doing freelance photography, which is how mm -hmm. Alex and I got uh, reconnected initially. I was definitely burning the candle at both ends. I would say as an mm -hmm. independent designer, my pipeline was never empty until COVID hit. Stress mm -hmm. levels from that perspective were not really high because I was also having a lot of fun in the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. I will say now that I've joined SEP, my stress levels are also very low. Really? That's great. Wow. In part because one of SEP's core values is taking care of their people. So there, there's a lot of mm. uh, resources that we have available to us. I've also been having a lot of fun with the work that I'm doing, not having to worry about, mm -hmm. hey, what project am I going to work on after this one is done? That is one thing that I really struggled with as an independent designer and owning the agency of, of like what comes next. 
So I've learned in my uh, uh, experience over the years that I can just not worry about that part anymore because there's somebody else on our team here that's going to help coordinate that. That brings up a really good point of worrying about what's next. I just had a call with a friend, a fellow designer yesterday, and I was like, I am really slow right now. Like, it's sort of a slow period for me and waiting what she had to say. And she was like, oh, me too. And and then I just talked to somebody else too last week that's having the same problem. So it's like, okay, that makes me feel better that it's a little slow period, but it does bring up that kind of unwanted stress of, okay, what's next? And always thinking about the next thing. Am I going to get clients next month? What's going to happen next year? And fortunately for me, I've never been in that super low period where I'm like, I've been dry for months now. I've been blessed to get the work and I know that the work will come, but there's always that what if and that adds that stress that I wish I could control. But you know, as an independent designer, you can't always control that. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting with stress levels. Like I think I have a couple of friends that have traditional like nine to fives in, you know, careers that tell you they're not the most fulfilled doing the job, but they also, they make enough money to sustain a lifestyle that they're really happy with. And they also, after five o'clock at night, they are, they don't have to think about work Mm -hmm. until nine o'clock the next day. Like they are Mm -hmm. brain turned off. Mm -hmm. And Chris, you're probably not like that with your current job because you're, you know, you're passionate about it. And you also, you know, are driven by it and things like that. Like you're still enjoying it, but I think that there is something to say about that, that the ability to have like that work-life balance kind of innately built into your job is just, Mm -hmm. uh, sounds sounds quite nice versus me looking at the ceiling every night thinking about, I I keep a sketchbook by my bedside because I (laughs) think of things in the middle of the night and sometimes I sketch something in the dark or I'll like write something down in the dark and the next day I'll be like trying to decipher what I was like, is that a D? What, What did I write last night? But it's so, it's just interesting kind of just that that ability and I guess something that ties into that that I'd be interested to hear your opinion on Chris especially because you know as you work in an agency job like when you're working in an agency job especially like maybe not your maybe not when you own but maybe your first agency job were you doing any freelance work on the side or did you have like another kind of side hustle I know you do you know you're you're an incredible photographer we'll link Chris's Instagram below so you guys will have to to look, check it out. But yeah, I just kind of love to hear your, your opinion and also your perspective on, you know, having something going on the side. Yeah. I think there's, I would say early in my career, I was doing a lot of freelancing, trying to learn everything that I could at all costs. I would say now I am, I invest time into things that I'm curious or passionate about. Um, I have learned over the years Mm -hmm. to really make sure that I have a healthy, life balance of making sure that I'm spending time doing things that make me excited. And part of that, that is headshots and event photography. So I, like I, I still do that on occasion as a side hustle, but I think now more than I was before, really making sure that I am intentional about how I spend my time, whether that is getting paid for what, whatever it is, or just you know, spending my time investing in relationships, a community, that kind of thing. Yeah. I admire that so much. I, yeah. I think a lot of people will really take away that fact too, of just figuring out where you want to spend your time and what's more important. And the older you get, I guarantee you those thoughts change. I mean, you were just talking about yeah. how in your mid twenties, early twenties, you feel like you needed to know everything you needed to do everything. And, and that's how you filled your cup up then. And then now you're kind of transitioning that and filling your cup up in other ways that has just more like longevity and like more heartwarming things than learning all of these, all learning all this new equipment, learning all these new programs and, yeah. and making money that way. So would you say then that since you do love to fill your cup in in other ways, as far as work-life balance goes for SEP, do you feel like there is a good balance there? Are you able to shut your laptop off? But more importantly, are you able to shut your brain off? Or as a creative, (laughs) are you kind of always thinking about stuff? Uh, So one other thing that I love about SEP is that the company as a whole makes sure that their employees have a healthy work-life balance. That's not to say that there aren't going to be times in a project where I have to work, you know, 
long hours, but um, there have been times where my team lead has been like, Chris, why are you still here? It's past the 40 hours or whatever. They were, they were like, why don't you go home? So it's, I, I feel really wow, that's lucky great. to be in a place that values that. It's amazing that a company that like, it's an older company. And I feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. older companies don't take the time to, and bigger companies too. It's, it's, you found such a unique space and other companies should, should check them out. Or companies who, who kind of say that they, oh, we really care about our employees. We're really all about work-life balance, but internally they, they aren't like they're having you work long. And yeah, a lot of those, I feel like a lot of those work-life balance or like those perks, like, you know, the free lunch or the, the gym in the office or like all those little things are actually secretly ways that companies try to get you to just stay at the office longer, or you don't need to leave for lunch. You can stay in the building and eat at our (laughs) massive cafeteria. And no, you don't need to leave to go to the gym. Indoors. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, I think uh, that, that it's refreshing to hear that companies that your company specifically, but there are agencies and companies out there who truly do practice what they preach. Yeah. It's a really great place to be. And that is not to say that like, we don't work hard and like put in long Mm -hmm. hours every now and then, but like, um, it's really refreshing to, yes, we have a gym at our new building. Yes. We have like yoga classes and whatnot but like they really encourage you to do that to be able to have your mind and energy in a good place to do mm-hmm. your best work yeah i think that that's like a really good point that it's not taking away from the quality and the ca- capacity of work that you're doing because i do think that like a lot of times like it's one or the other kind of thing and i yeah i think that that the fact that you're able to have you know a good work-life balance and provide you know, and it's one of those things. I mean, that's the word balance. It's if you have a really long week where you work 50 hours one week, the next week, maybe you take off the next Friday or like, I think that's something too, as like Alex and I do as independent designers, like, you know, there are weeks where I'm working till like 10 or 11 PM, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for most days of the week. And then the next week I try to like balance it out or try to like kind of weigh out my to-do list a little bit better. But I think that that's exactly it, that you can have work-life balance, but still have those like really tough periods. And that's literally what balance is. Okay, so we put a question box on our Instagram and we wanted to know from you guys, what questions do you have about agency versus freelance? This could be anything all over the board. And so we got a really good question that Chris can relate to somewhat. So I'm going to kind of let you take the floor a little bit of this one, Chris, but I'm also just going to have this as an open conversation between the three of us to see our thoughts on it too. So the question is, when did you know when you wanted to scale from a single freelancer to positioning yourself as a small business slash agency? So I know that this kind of is reverse of what you did, Chris, but I think you have some insight from owning your agency of what might that look like? How, how do you know when you want to scale up? Yeah, I, I think you should look at what you really mean by scale up. As hmm. you know, that there was a, I guess that there still is like that stress or like kind of PTSD of like being responsible for somebody else's uh, paycheck. I, yeah. I admire the heck out of people who like have staffs of their own that they're like responsible for their payroll. That was a really hard, hard thing to do at the agency I owned. I will say, mm-hmm. you know, scaling up can really mean whatever you want it to mean. It can, uh, it can mean to me anyways, like it sounds like the partnership that you guys have where you collaborate when it makes sense. If you're working on a project that requires photography, maybe you bring in a photographer and like having those relationships to me and that ability to work with people that you trust and admire, I think that is more important to me than scaling up uh, from like a payroll perspective. But I also know that that's just me. That's, um, you know, Mm-hmm. based on my experience. No, I love that because I think that this kind of brings another set of eyes to this question too, because sometimes it is glorified to, oh, I started off small and then now I have a team. 
when maybe that worked for that person, but maybe it's not all about building your team in that sense. Maybe it's about bringing in those freelancers, like you said, Chris, and and how do you, how exactly do you want to scale up and what does that mean to you? How do you define that? And then I think that that's gonna help you with your answer. Yeah, I also just loved how you said bringing in like for a specific project, bringing in a photographer or bringing in an animator or like bringing in a UX designer or like things like that, that it doesn't have to be someone that you're bringing onto your team and that's like, you know, on your website, uh, meet the team, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. glorification of like growing. I think that my favorite projects are projects that I kind of get to have. I love seeing the full picture. I love, you know, doing the branding, the website, photo shoot, you know, all the little pieces and having like some, some part and it doesn't have, I don't have to be the, the full, you know, the full creative director on the shoot, but just like contacting the photographer and like being in touch and being like, Hey, like, this is how I envision the branding. Like, this is how, like, I think it could translate really well into like a creative direction for the photo shoot and things like that. Like, I think that growing in the sense of like what touch points you have with different freelancers or different people you bring on to a project is, you know, something that I really, that I really love. And I also think that, you know, for me as you know, I have a design assistant and a web designer that I work with. I don't, I, you know, they're on my, I say behind the laptops because I don't really like saying team because we're, they're independent and they have their own clients as well, but they are amazing women that help me, you know, provide services for clients that I wouldn't be able to do without them. So I, but I also just love having my hands in the cookie jar. Like I love being the, you know, the main point point person for all my clients and I love those relationships and that part like I wouldn't I couldn't imagine having not having those relationships with my clients and like that Mm -hmm. that part so it's like very interesting because you know I feel like sometimes there's pressure in order to make more money you need to add more people to your team and things like that and you know going back to our first episode of the season I think it's really valid to hire out in small projects or for specific things or for social media or for web design or, you know, little things like that. But I also think there's value in keeping, keeping it small or like you said, Alex and I, our relationship that we have, it's, we're so lucky, but yeah. next question I think we all can kind of answer I know that we just talked about what a team looks like to us and maybe that's Emma's version you know behind the laptop and that is her team because they're only jumping on certain projects same with me I have an intern I also have a web designer who I work with as well just on a contract basis though but I do consider them all a part of my team and we create these beautiful stuff together so the question is how do you transition your clients who hire you for you to being open to working with your entire team. So Emma, do you want to kick this off and how you kind of onboard your clients of, hey, it's not just me that's going to be touching this project. It's going to be my entire team that's going to be hands-on. Yeah. So I think that the first thing for me, I only do web design with clients I've done branding with. So when they come on, they do branding, Come, you know, I, I onboard them and do all the, all the things. They get to know me. And then I also bring on people with web design. So I always kind of approach it with the sense of, Hey, like I'm going to bring stuff on this next call. Like she's my web designer. She's amazing. You're going to love her. And we're going to work on this as a team. And, you know, we communicate together where she's always CC'd on emails that are involved in the project that she's part of. I have both emails for my two gals that are like under my domain. So it's like stuff at a mm-hmm. just to kind of keep it clean and organized and also keep my stuff out of her personal inbox. I think it's also mm. respectful for her as That's well, but yeah. And then same with my design assistant, she doesn't really have do a lot of client facing. I actually would, I'm going to try to tra- start transitioning her on there. I use kind of these notion portals. So she's on the portal and she helps me kind of with backend stuff, but she's not really on like calls and and or email chains. But I think that that's kind of it, just being honest and being transparent with clients. And that's my personal perspective. I think that there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways of going about it. But yeah, most people are really perceptive and, and accepting of like, you know, you're getting another person, you're getting another set of eyes, another set of expertise. So most people are excited about the opportunity to work with someone else. I was having a conversation this afternoon with our team and uh, our client and we were talking about the opportunity to bring people who are not on our team officially into like this one part of the project and I think one of the um, one of the things that we pride ourselves on here is that when you hire um, SEP you hire all of us so there's 150 of us here at the organization so we can 
pull in a person who isn't on our team officially to, you know, bring in their expertise. And that's always mm-hmm. been received well because, you know, we have at the organization lots of, of different experts and um, people who can advise on certain situations. I think it's having that advisor role, like having, you know, just it's bringing in more eyes, more expertise. Like sometimes it's just so nice to have another set of eyes on a project and another perspective. And also just, mm-hmm. you know, you're you only know as much as you know. So just having someone that knows something <laughs> else, it just has value. So I think that it's really, you know, interesting. Yeah. And I think it's important too to gain your clients. If you are working with them first, just you and your client, I think it's really important to gain that trust because then once they have that trust from you, if you move on to, let's say phase two of a project, maybe that's a website. You're like, Hey, I'm bringing in my website designer. That's going to help us with this project. They're going to already trust you at that point that they're like, I trust whoever you bring on. If I trust you, I'm going to trust your web designer, especially because as me, I would be playing like a creative director role or an art director role in that. And so I would be seeing everything that my web designer is doing before it gets passed on to the client. So I think trust is a big thing there. And if your client has a problem with that or a problem with adding to the team, then maybe that's a reflection of the client and not a reflection of you and the structure that you want to bring to that specific project. One more question from Instagram from our Q&A is, Chris, this is mainly for you. How do you tell a client that you are working with as a freelancer that you're going to go to an agency? Do you tell them, do you transition out? Like how, how does that process work? Yeah. So I have had to do this both from, I guess, leaving the agency and going independent as (laughs) well as going independent, coming to SEP. Fortunately, these are, you know, clients that I've formed a relationship with, and it's always been making sure that I leave them in the best place possible. So whether that is making an introduction to a, to a, another designer that you know can uh, work with them after I transition out, or just explaining that, hey, you know, with this new position, I'm not gonna have the capacity to work together anymore. I, I do my best to always make sure that leave the client or the person in the best place possible. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so those were our questions from Instagram, but Emma and I have a couple questions for you, Chris, just to wrap things up here um, when talking about freelance versus agency. So talk to us a little bit about freelancer versus an independent designer. I know that those terms can get tossed around. They can be interchangeable back and forth. So what are your thoughts about the terms freelancer versus independent designer? I think I have a lot of feelings about these terms that I don't know that I've completely processed. So this may be a bit of externally processing here. So I, prior to Creative South last year, I think I primarily used the term freelancer. Just as in my experience, like, and as I've, I guess, grown over the years, I didn't really like the term freelancer because it was, it kind of implied that maybe I didn't value myself as much as I should, or that term gets brought up in different conversations. And it's kind of like a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but I remember yeah. Uh, yeah. Jason Craig's talk at Creative South last year. Never forget. <laughs> I don't remember the <laughs> specifics of the talk, but I remember walking out of there and thinking that is finally the word that I've been missing is independent. You know, that this is a person that, whether they do this as their full-time job or as a as something additional, like this person is an independent uh, a designer. There is like no reason to discredit ourselves or, you know, have in my head anyway, that term freelancer um, just isn't, isn't the language that I like to use anymore. No, I think it's, 
It's really interesting because when I introduce myself, I, I always like I try. To, I think I say something different every single time I introduce myself. <laughs> but when I do say, it's so funny when because I feel the same way, Chris, about kind of freelancers. Like a, the connotations just kind of off, and which is so weird because I don't know. It, I feel like people don't take me as seriously if I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a freelance mm-hmm. graphic designer. I agree. First, and then when I say like I own a creative studio, I feel like I'm like, I don't know, like not bragging, but just like inflating what I do but that's that I own a creative studio that's what I do sometimes when I do say that I'll be like oh yeah I own a creative agency or or I will say like I'm an independent graphic designer and people be like oh so you're a freelancer and I'm like mm, every time yeah yeah every time yeah, yeah. that that yeah. is probably what language they know to associate it with um, yes. I think yes yes I since prior to creative south and that that talk, I don't think that I would have known to use that word like that, that that was an option. But I'm so grateful to now have that language uh, available to me. Yeah, I'm yeah. right there with you. I will never forget his talk because that is right what stuck with me the most out of the whole conference. I was <laughs> yep. like, I think we all three walked out of that one. And we were like, yes, that's I'm it. Independent that's what we are. Graphic designer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And because I, I agree, I think freelancer just has this like weird negative connotation. Be, I, I don't know why. And it sucks that that's that's where we're at with society. But it almost feels like a side hustle. Like if yeah. you're a freelancer, oh, you're just doing that on the side to like get some extra cash. And it's like, no, this is how I pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. No, I, so I think one thing about, like, with Creative South and obviously, like, I consider Chris part of my community, I guess, <laughs> and you guys have Indianapolis community, indie community. You know, I think that, um, and Alex and I, you know, have Golden Arrow Guild and things like that. I think that finding community as a, as a freelancer, as an independent graphic designer, as whatever the heck you want to call yourself, you know, working solo, it's really important. And Chris, I just would love, like, you just have, you know, I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying you have more expertise <laughs> and more years of experience than us. But yeah, so I'd love to hear just like your perspective on like, you know, finding your community and keeping a community and the value of community. And like, if you think... You know, it's all cracked up to be. Yeah. So I've been doing this for, I guess it's now 11 years just at, as a, a design professional. And throughout this whole journey, finding people that can be in your corner for you and like be a friend and a resource and maybe work together later, maybe not. Maybe these people in your community are just not only are there for you, but you are are there for them. Earlier in my career, I was, I think, more involved in community design events than I might be now, but like I was a regular attendee of Creative Mornings for more time than I can remember. And, you know, I I got to know so many people there and they really became friends at that point that I really don't like the term networking because it's it's really <laughs> surface level and i much prefer yeah. the relationship building approach where i am you know mm-hmm. i i am invested in the, in the people in my community and they are invested in me i agree with that and i feel like i have said that before i don't call it networking i call it making friends i go to creative mornings <laughs> like chris mentioned to make friends because those are the people who you are hopefully going to leave a lasting impression on and if they just end up being your friend throughout the years wonderful if they if you end up getting work from them even better but you shouldn't go into something kind of expecting that because then if nothing comes of it you're gonna be let down in this weird way and and you have to kind of just rethink why you are going to these events and I think um, for Chris it's for the community and especially for myself too it's definitely for the community and I think on that topic of community be sure to find your community I know that like Emma is in New York huge city lots of people but finding your community in such a big city is is, (laughs) it's I could only imagine how hard it is because luckily in Indy I mean it's to some might seem like a big city but it's really not when you find your people and you know the the places that you want to go and and meet your friends the creative events that happen and that's where I've met so many people that's those are the kinds of places that Chris and I get 
get to connect. We have another friend group that we go to dinner with occasionally, and we're trying to pick that up more. And it's just so fun to get with other people who also just understand your industry too, and kind of can hear your pain points and give you direction if you want, but maybe they're just the listening ear that you need. Yeah, no, there's so much value in just having people around you that understand you what you're going through what to tell you what to look out for and just can kind Mm -hmm. of like offer a helping hand when you when you need it because you know you're gonna need it so it's important to find that no matter what your path might look like and I think Chris is a great example you guys have all heard our me and Emma's paths time and time again throughout each episode so it was really (laughs) really neat to hear um, Chris's path and how he ended up going back to agency and for him that is exactly what he needed and that's exactly where he needed to go So let's end off the episode with some super fun rapid fire questions. Okay. So first off, Chris, what's your favorite program to design in? So I live in Figma. I will say I've over the last three years now, I've like spent most of my working time in it and I've had to jump back to like Illustrator and other programs that I used to use a lot and Mm -hmm. I am just no longer as skilled as I was in in those programs like I (laughs) I can do in Figma what I can do in Illustrator in like a fraction of the time just because that's where I live and if memory serves I believe Alex lives in Illustrator so like it's I do live in Illustrator She is an illustrator fiend. I one qu- thing with Figma. Did you see the news? I don't know if it was today or recently, or I, I just saw it today, so it might be old. But that Figma's launching like a a collections like market, where like if you're a, a designer, you could Chris like you could sell components and designs for Figma. Yeah. yeah, I I heard that was coming, but I didn't read that it launched today. Um, I've, I've, I don't know if it's like launched or if it's okay. more just like the beta. I think you can, I, I'm in like a Slack channel and I saw someone that said they're like starting to submit to the store. So I don't know if like designers yeah. can start submitting. I don't know exactly, but it sounds like a very interesting resource for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. You'll have to look into that. What has been your favorite project so far? Whether that's agency, freelance, current job. I know that you can't talk specific. And you can't, can't say who it's um, for. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can. Man, I wish I could. So I. Um, so so does that yeah. mean your current your favorite project is from your current job now? Ooh. My favorite project is from my current job. Yes, I will okay. say. So I can't talk about any of the projects that I've done or who they were for. Mm-hmm. I can say that I. I guess there's two things. One was a client project. It was the first project I was on when I joined at SCP. I think the app that we were creating and designing for, I ended up pitching on a whim kind of a character kind of to add some personality. And it got far more traction than I ever expected. I think it ended up in their like marketing materials. And I heard rumors of a plush toy I don't know if that ever happened or not. No way. Oh, that sounds so cool. Okay, Chris, music or podcasts? Ooh, so I, so we work in office primarily and I have a half an hour drive, which isn't terrible, but also is more than, more than I've ever had. So I have recently Mm -hmm. gotten in, I shouldn't say recently, in the last year and a half, I've really gotten into podcasts. They really helped me (laughs) set my day up. Um, well and kind of get me in that right mindset. I love everything that Brene Brown puts out, uh, whether that's Mm -hmm. audiobooks or podcasts. Um, Her work has really changed my life for the better, which is is really exciting. Atlas of the heart, right? Forever and always. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite piece of photo equipment? I would probably say, well, how many cameras do you have? So I, I, ha- <laughs> I, I have two cameras. Uh, one is kind of the workhorse. One is kind of a fun camera that I'm currently using as the webcam here. I will say actually that I, for the longest time, photography was a huge part of my life. And throughout COVID and just until recently, it has really not been a big part of my life. So I've, I'm excited mm-hmm. to get back into it and 
maybe my favorite camera is on my phone just because it's with me all the time. Ooh, uh, I, love I love it. it. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so last question. Other than photography, what is something that you love to do in your free time? How do you spend that work-life balance? Yeah, so <laughs> so in my free time, I uh, we have a front porch that we, we recently opened up. We own kind of an old house. It was enclosed. We opened it up last year. We spend a lot of time on the front porch. In addition to that, my wife and I eloped in October. It was kind of a trip that was just us. We, you know, hired an elopement coordinator, which I didn't know was a thing, but it was amazing. And did you have a photographer? We did. So we had a photographer and a videographer. Nice. Those were the only people that were there. So we did that oh, in October wow. and we've amazing. been I've been spending free time planning our party in the spring where we're going to share with our friends and family where we went. Oh, that's so special. And I also I have to share, because uh, Chris's engaged story is the cutest ever, but he proposed to his his now wife on their porch because it's like their favorite place to hang out. And I just yeah. think that that's so special and makes my heart warm. But <laughs> anyway, I hope that everyone listening got a lot out of this and just learning, uh, I feel like Chris's path or roller coaster of a career, which is like so fun and I love it. And I just think it's so interesting. And so as someone that, you know, I don't know what I want to do in three years. I love what I'm doing now and I'm going to do it for as long as I love it. But it's just so interesting to hear, you know, that you can go back and forth between, you know, working for someone else, working for yourself, owning something. And it's really empowering to hear your story and your, you know, your path of your career and also just your, you know, insights on, you know, work-life balance and that work Mm -hmm. isn't the only part of your life. And it's just so, so nice to, uh, you know, hear it again and hear, really dive Mm -hmm. into, you know, those different pain points so yeah we really appreciate your time today and you know everything that you were able to share with us and i know everyone's gonna be itching to know what your projects are and they're gonna be searching your company and figuring (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we just thank you so much for being here and for all your you know all your wisdom thank you for having me really appreciate it so chris tell the people where they can find you yes so you can find me in most social medias so if you want to find me on Instagram, it is chris.hartley. If you want to find me on Twitter where I'm not very active, except for looking at uh, d- things for design systems, um, that is chris <laughs> underscore Hartley. Anyway, thanks so much for your time. And I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. So we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. For more Sorted content, follow us on Instagram at sorted.pod. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review. It means so much. Sorted is hosted by Alex Pizak and Emma McGoldrick. Produced and edited by Carrie King. Marketing and graphic design by AP The Creative and ESM Creative Studio. Photography by Hannah Hunt. And music by Dam Dharmawan. Huge thanks to all the people that made Sorted happen and to you for listening. See, See you, you next time. time.